I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses. We have the amazing Cynthia Rowley. Cynthia Rowley is a celebrated fashion designer, a best-selling author, and the host of her own podcast called Ageless. She began her fashion career while studying at the Art Institute of Chicago, one of my favorite museums. And since then, she has made her mark in the industry with her brand's signature look of pretty meets sporty. Um, Welcome, Cynthia. Hi. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Um, I'm so happy to have you. Well, I wanted to start by asking you if you knew when you were in high school that you were going to grow up and become a fashion designer. Well, that's a funny question because I actually started making clothes when I was really, really young, like seven and eight, you know, really started sewing. And then in high school, I guess I was kind of a little bit of an outsider, like not I don't know. That's how I see myself anyway, like um, dressing a little bit crazy and making my own clothes that would be, you know, very different from everybody else in the school. And um, and so I wouldn't say I knew that I had I liked the creative process and I knew that I liked making things. Did I know it would be fashion? Definitely not. But you were actually cutting up clothes when you were seven and eight years old and like making stuff by yourself? <laughs> yeah, I actually have a picture. I'm I'm shocked that my mother, my parents saved it, but there's a picture of me in a little uh, two-piece dress that I made for myself when I was seven. And I remember like laying the fabric on the floor and then laying on top of the fabric and tracing around it sort of like a crime scene, you know, (laughs) and then cutting it out and so hand sewing it and putting it together and wearing it all the time. And that's awesome. I love that. It was in your blood from a young age. Um, So I know you started out when you were a little bit older, you kind of started out in visual arts and at some point wanted to be a painter. Is that right? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, like I was saying the creative process and that feeling of being able to um, imagine something and, and have a vision and then to go through the process of making it a reality, no matter what, you know, whatever it is, that was always the most satisfying thing to me. So, um, I, I loved making art, which then I think l- paved the way for me to then take that uh, way of communicating, that vi- visual communication and turn it into a way to um, be able to make fashion a reality. You know, it's like, if you have an idea I always say to my team, I'm like, guys, do you know how lucky we are that you you can have something in your imagination, in your brain, 
and then be able to communicate that to someone or something that will end up making being able to make it a reality and that's that's like so satisfying of course that's amazing that's the whole creative process i love that and yeah. when did you start your company um well not to be evasive with all these <laughs> questions <laughs> i'm really not trying to be it's just there is a little gray area since i never actually decided like oh now i will start my company it just sort of um serendipitously and organically kind of came to be i guess in a way that you know accident accidentally starting without really knowing what i was doing in a really naive way just getting started and and not knowing really what the odds were or what what i was up against but just kind of like oh well i guess you know this seems like the right thing to do did you just doing did it. you start out just as uh, on your own or with a few other people and how did you grow from the kind of early beginnings to where you are now um no i start i basically just started in i was in school and i and i sold my my collection that i made uh for my school fashion show i ended up selling that to a bunch of new york stores and that was kind of like um the beginning so i yeah it was just me and i was sewing everything and of course i had friends helping out and and pitching in and supporting me but it was it was always just uh my own my my own uh kind of like make it or break it you know if if i if i was going to fail it was my problem if i was going to succeed then i guess i could you know take pride in that how many um people are at your company now how many employees do you have well, that's a that's a question that um, people ask. A lot of business people ask that. I think it's a way that I think it's to a lot of people a measure of success or scaling your company. And um, I kind of don't like to really say talk about that because I think counterintuitively, it's really more beneficial to a company to have the least amount of employees and the most um, amount of output. And if you can figure that out, you know, that's a real success story. So- No, I remember when I read that Kylie Jenner only had seven employees besides herself and her mom at her, you know, billion dollar company. It blew my mind because you I, hear these stories where it's like a badge of honor to employ hundreds or thousands of people. So I love the idea of staying lean. And, um, and I think on some level, like productivity per, or, or sort of creativity and output into the world, you know, it, it's yeah. measured in a different scale than, than humans. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I think, you know, I've learned a lot in the last year about what 
a company needs to grow and to stay creative and to to really stay energized and um, relevant and constantly moving forward. Um, I think a lot of those expected norms and those those expected ways of scaling don't the it's it doesn't it's not relevant anymore. And yeah. I think that like the, to be able to be nimble and figure out ways to grow by using third-party providers and um, sourcing, you know, all over the world and, and ways that I think, um, you know, it's changed so much since I was first in the business. You hired anything you needed, you hired someone. And, you know, it's a lot to manage and it's so much better if you can work with people that have the expertise in their business and can lend it to you rather than you sort of uh, being beholden to that, you know, that one viewpoint of, of that um, position, you know, that responsibility. I'm a huge believer in the idea of iterative improvements over time and gradually changing and kind of you get version one out there, you change, you edit it and then make it better for version two in whatever field you're in. And I was wondering if you have an example of one improvement that you've made in your own creative process or you know fashion vision. Um, this past year, since it's been such a time oh, yeah. of great change, like, is there oh, one my thing? God. Yeah, tell me. The iterate, the iterative business model is exactly what's happening right now, because there is no long term. You know, who's doing their three year, five year? You know, yes, you need that kind of, um, you know, overarching. Um, uh, business plan you know you need to know where you want to go but you there's no there's no no one can predict so that's what that is what's what changed for me I mean the old school fashion model was like you'd have a runway show and then you take orders and for six months you know you put it all together and then you'd ship it and it never made sense to me because you a are putting out the images well before anyone can ever buy it. So people are getting excited about something they can have, and then by the time they can have it, it seems old. And you know the model of selling to wholesalers so that they can place it in their retail store, probably brick and mortar or you know ecom, but and hope that it sells there. It's just like so many, so, so many filters, filters, filters all the time. So I cut all that out and we have grown, our e-com business grew more than 30% in 2020, which Knockwood is like amazing. I'm so grateful. And we only work three months out. So that's the iteration, you know, three months and then 
kind of recalibrate and and see where you're at in three months, which seems a little bit crazy and a little, you know, hamster wheel hectic, but it's it's a we're in an industry that, you know, it's all listening to your audience. So you can't really do that and then you know have these long lead times like that so we're hustling <laughs> it's crazy but it, it it's much better i love that um okay so you your podcast is called ageless and so i love that name because i think it reminds me of a lot of the things that i think about in my work which you know are really about not, not even necessarily about being ageless, but more like transcending the number on the piece of paper and you yeah. know, just kind of feeling like the best version of yourself. So I wanted to ask you, what does ageless mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I do the podcast with my daughter, she's 21. And we would have the, we were having these conversations that we, we had such different opinions about things. And it seemed like hers was always the sort of old soul, more serious uh, um, viewpoint. And mine was kind of like, ah, it's fine. Let's, you know, come on, let's go for it or whatever. It was like a totally different, like we had switched places, like our brains had switched. And so we we would talk about this idea of ageless being, you know, that age is not just a number. It is a state of mind, it's a spirit. It's, a, it's like how you see the world and, um, and that at every age you should go out and embrace a fun, um, curious, interesting and interested um, view of the world. Yeah. So your daughter, is it true? Your daughter's on this season of The Bachelor, right? Your daughter, Kit? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, true? she is. Oh my gosh. What is that like? Um, well, I'm legally not able to talk about <laughs> it. Oh, right. okay. I will say, you know, reality TV can be interesting. I've been on reality TV. My husband actually has been on reality TV and now Kit. So three out of four family members have been <laughs> on reality TV shows pretty much by accident. So um, what's the verdict? Is reality TV as real as it seems or like not, not so real? Well, she was on the hard one. I've only judged, th judged other people. She's, she's, really had the toughest time because she put herself out there. And um, what can I say? I would say, I think she went into it with good intentions and I think she had a good time and made a lot of um, new friends. That's amazing. <laughs> um, that's really- Is that vague enough? Well, it was, it was pretty vague, but I like it. I think of it as like a teaser. So we wouldn't want to give you, give you guys any spoilers, whoever's listening. So we'll be anxiously looking forward to seeing what happens next. Um, what, what are your, 
And what are your best pieces of advice for um, young people who are thinking about careers in the creative world, like fashion, art, music, you know, even entertainment? Do you have any advice um, or ideas about mistakes that you made that maybe you would have done differently? Um, I mean, my, I would just, I would just tell people to do, I mean, there's never been a better time to do something creative. I think people are, um, really receptive and just dying for creativity and, and originality in whatever your discipline is. And I think that, um, you know, it's easy to put things out there into the world now and easy to talk to an audience and easy to to so much easier to start things than I feel like when I started it's um and and take risks and 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 really just uh be as authentic and and original as possible but I think that's amazing what what are your thoughts on how to be creative in fashion because you know everyone is obviously inspired by everyone else and i think in science and medicine and what i do but also in fashion and art and beauty everybody's standing on the shoulders of the generation that came before them or being influenced by other talented creative people but how do you draw the line between being influenced by others and you know giving appropriate credit to your you know, your inspirations, because, you know, I'm seeing so many stories in the news, not, I mean, not obviously not with your stuff. I think that you're so creative and you, you really created some particularly unique moments, like beautiful, unique wetsuits and, you know, the pretty meets sporty and some things that are just so uniquely you, but there are so many stories about emerging designers and Instagram designers who are knocking off other small businesses and kind of appropriating or borrowing fashion ideas. So I just am curious as a fashion designer, how do you think about authenticity, plagiarism, credit? Like, well, how does that all work? Yeah, I mean, I think, um... I think, I think being a real creative, you eat, sleep and breathe ideas. And I mean, I wake up in the middle of the night with like, we should do quilt, little quilted bags with like, it wakes me up in the middle of the night sometimes ideas. And I think that that is, it, it has to be original. I just think, I mean, there's, there's a fine line because you also wanna make things that people have the confidence to invest their, their hard earned money in. So you don't want, it can't be too crazy. So then what is it that makes your thing special? And so for me, um, we do all our own prints and the prints are really like the signature thing that I think um, makes it really different than anything else out there. And then things like the wetsuits, there was just nothing, they just did not exist. 
And I really just was, you know, I'm passionate about the sport. I love being in the water. I love surfing. I love all kinds of water sports. And so I was like, I need to figure out how to make this, you know, and then thinking, and then like being able to sort of visualize these things in a way that no one's ever thought about that item, you know? So thinking about why, why shouldn't this wetsuit be a beautiful ombre, you know, or be, have like, um, uh, we, we made wetsuits that I call water camo because it has like waves and everything. So the idea, my idea was like, if you're in the water, you're sort of camouflaged with all the water. So it's like taking the idea of camouflage, but then if you're in the water, what would that be? You know, and so like sometimes there it's the it's conceptual, but then it also has to be something beautiful and wearable and have a certain sort of recognizable um, uh, something about it so that people know that so that people can it can be more widely accepted. Does that make sense? Yeah. What do you, th I think it does, I think it does make sense. What do you think about how new media and social media ha have changed fashion? Like not only with fashion watchdog sites like Diet Prada, but also with, you know, new genres like TikTok. Like how do you feel about some of these new ripples in fashion that are kind of shaking up the industry? I mean, I think it's all exciting. I think it's all good. I think each platform sort of has its own um, kind of bent, you know, a little bit of its own identity. And, um, and it just opens up the, the opportunity for so many people to put out their, um, their style out there into the into the world and that's what's exciting like I, it used to be it used to be designers were like the uh creating these trends and like the the you know the the final word on fashion and it's so egotistical and crazy to think that that's how it was you know that it would be like oh what has so-and-so shown this season that we're all going to be wearing, and that idea is has evolved into like just such its personal expression in every way, shape, and form, you know. And that's a lot of it is because of all the social media platforms that are available to just kind of create your own identity, create your own persona, and and then put it out there. And I, I just think it's so inspiring and exciting. And um, yeah, I think it's really fun. Makes it fun. Yeah. Fashion used to be so serious. It and used to be fun, so though. deadly serious. And it used to make me crazy because I'd be like, doesn't anyone have a sense of humor? And we would do crazy, crazy stuff on the runway or like, you know, I don't know, just crazy stuff. and people would just be shocked and, um, you know, not 
because it didn't fit into this um, ideal fashion model, you know? And so now I think it's great because you can do anything. Amazing. And hopefully eventually we'll all get out of our athleisure and get back into our pretty dresses and, um, and fun clothes. Well, I mean, With I a like athleisure athlete. on the side. Yeah, I like athleisure too. I, I think that's good. That's definitely here to stay. And I think it's exciting. It's like, how can you reimagine athleisure then? You know, that's totally. the trick. I think that's, that's the, awesome. Well, this has been so fun, Cynthia. I am so honored to have had you on my podcast. And um, I'm so excited to see what kind of new innovative things you do next. Um, can you tell everybody where to buy your beautiful um, clothing and fashion and also where to find you? Sure. Um, it's pretty easy. Just any, everything Cynthia Rowley. Um, CynthiaRowley.com. Uh, Cynthia Rowley on Instagram and um, Ageless, the podcast on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was so fun.